Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done by someone who was, who was sick or who was asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus said, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. There is salvation for no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among the mortals by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. If you are new or relatively new, like maybe within the last, you know, 14 months or so, you may be wondering out loud, how in the world does it make sense to baptize people that young? I mean, truthfully, we actually baptize, and we'll hear very soon, baptize an infant. Well, they don't know what they're doing, you might say. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're getting into. Well, of course they don't. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen a young couple get married and, and think to yourself, they don't know what they're getting into? <laughs> You're right then, too. It is the responsibility of the community of faith to help people who make promises understand those promises, and then to live up to and into those promises. That's our tradition. That's our theology. We are a body of believers, and we take very seriously the responsibility and the opportunities that we have to teach one another what it means, about what it means to be the people of God, to define the important words and phrases like church, like gospel, like a term like good news. Because I think we can look around and see the price that we pay when we don't define those terms well. And we're going to talk about that today. And I am kind of glad that the kids, by and large, are out of the room. Because we have some difficult things to talk about today, even though here we are in the Easter season in a sermon series that's called uh, The News is Good. The News is Good. The News is Good. The news is very, very good. It's exceedingly good. It's great. Until we don't allow for that story to be told. Until we insist on our own story rather than that story. The news is good. The news is good and probably better than we appreciate. I was handed other passages um, from which I could have preached today, and you've already heard Berkeley beautifully work us through that first one, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. I shall not be in want. 
Another one of those passages comes from John chapter 10, verse 11, which says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You should always see, already see some sort of correlation here. But even when you get to 1 John chapter 3, listen to this line. We know love by this, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. In other words, we are to read this Acts passage with all of those other passages in mind, perhaps serving as a backdrop. This Jesus, this Jesus, in laying down his life, this Jesus in laying down his life salvages and heals and rescues and makes life possible for those around him. And all God's people said, man, that's important. Do you realize that the resurrection makes life possible? Do you realize that the resurrection makes healing possible? Do you, res- do you re- recognize, realize that the resurrection was a real scandal way back when and a real threat to folks who were the guardians of the status quo? A real threat. And it came as a surprise to no one. As a matter of fact, you have this verse that's actually quoted all the way back from uh, Psalm 118. It's always been this expectation that when the Messiah would come, the Messiah would somehow attack the status quo, the status quo guarded by the establishment, the religious establishment. It was always this expectation that this would be a something of a, of a painful process. And so we have here in Acts words borrowed from Psalm 118. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, religious establishment people. Rejected by you, the builders. But now, it has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone, the stone upon which the rest of the structure of faith relies. The resurrection of this Jesus becomes the cornerstone of who we are. The resurrection of this Jesus who, in laying down his life, makes healing possible that would not have been possible otherwise makes rescue possible that would not have been possible otherwise. And then we get to this verse. There is salvation. Now, this is is where I did my graduate work in in, uh, original languages. And there are times when a word is translated into English, and for the life of me, I don't understand it. So this word, there's this word that, that is here in verse 12, and the sort of the root word is sozo, which is often often translated as salvation. And it's great. Most of the time it's great. But it is one of those words that another part of the time, perhaps other, the other half of the time, would be translated as healing. Healing. And you have to kind of take your cues from the context. And I would submit that we have not taken our cues well in this context to insist on the word salvation when the word healing makes much more sense. And, and let me show you why that could be, it could be a problem. There is salvation. Okay, now here, immediately some people start thinking about souls and eternal security sorts of issues. There is salvation, I would submit, healing, and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved, but it probably should say healed. But what we do with this verse, when we insist on salvation and we insist that it's not about whole lives, that it's just about souls, it's just about heaven and hell, we make this verse We give it an ethos, let's say, 
that is completely opposed to what is happening in the resurrection. Pastor Daniel, thank you for your sermon last week. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And he said over and over like it was the chorus to a song, the resurrection makes something, a life available to all, to all, to all. Right? But sometimes this verse and another one that's a lot like it, it's in John, John 11, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And sometimes in the, in the wrong hands, those verses don't become good news. They become weaponry and bad news. Everybody with me? This is one of those times, if you're not careful. In fact, I need to ask you, is this verse in your hands good news or weaponry? Does this verse... Does this verse allow you to look down on somebody else who does not share your faith articulation? Does this verse allow you, in some people's mouths, this verse allows them to be anti-Semitic? Anti-Semitic. Does this verse allow for us to be exclusive, exclusionary? To, to use, do you use this verse to try to determine insiders and outsiders so that you can at least make room for God to do whatever God wants to do with outsiders? I mean, folks, is anybody else tired of a brand of Christianity that seems to have taken root, that seems to delight and telling people who's in and who's out. I'm exhausted by it. <laughs> I mean, here we are in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, and I love my city, I love my state. I, I hope that you can see that I have tried very hard to give myself to my church, to my city, and to my state. But here, at here, sometimes Christianity means that group of people who tells you who's in and who's out, right? And we like to use verses sometimes, not as messages of hope, but sometimes as weapons to divide the insiders from the outsiders. Maybe this is one of those verses that if we aren't careful, if we pay no attention to the context, and again, Pastor Daniel gave us that context, and we're going to build on it this week. But without context, without context, without the story that gives us this verse, you might be one of those people who takes a verse like this and says, okay, we're better than everybody else, more on the inner circle than anybody else. The rest of those people out there, they kind of get what's coming to them. And when that's us, when that's anyone within the tent of Christianity, then those are the people who have completely missed the point of the resurrection. How should we understand these verses? And how might these verses, if properly understood, help us to help them, those kids that just got baptized, understand what it means to be the people of God who put skin and flesh on the heart and the nature and the character of God? It is a kind and loving verse when heard in context. 
Not to be used to exclude or dominate another person or another group of people because domination is not what we're about. Love and healing and wholeness and laying down our lives. That is what our Savior is about and body of Christ. That's what we are to be about. So maybe we should hear these verses in context again. Again, borrowing from Pastor Daniel's good work last week. Let me read to us a little bit from Acts chapter 2. One day... The apostles, Peter and John, were going up to the temple, that temple, at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth, so he is sick, ill, and in need of healing. A man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms or for financial gifts from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are healed. It's not just your soul that's saved. It's your body that is salvaged and rescued and healed. Stand up and walk. And here's the thing. And he does. Because there's something about this Jesus. (laughs) There's something about the resurrection of this Jesus that unleashes a power for healing and rescue and, yes, salvation, but for an entire life and not just a soul. And it can change things here if we're willing to be those kinds of people. So as you would expect, a crowd gathers in amazement, and Peter, never now at least, missing a chance to preach, love this guy, says this, Israelites, Why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer, Barabbas, given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Now watch this, verse 16. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong. Moment of healing, healing. This man whom you see see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. He seems to be saying to them in the midst of this speech and several others like it, hey, People of Israel, you were meant to be the embodiment. You were meant to be the embodiment of this message so that the healing doesn't just stop with you, salvaged people, rescued people, healed people. The hope is that this healing then would be spread abroad. Everywhere you go, this healing, this rescue goes with you. Really, John, like healing? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get to that in a minute goes as far as to say this. You remember that passage in Genesis chapter 12? Yeah, it's all coming to fruition here. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants, and now that's all of them, and now it's all of us, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let me ask you again. In today's climate of politically charged faith, 
Are all the families of the earth blessed through us, known as Christians? All of them. Does not say the families of the earth that agree with me. The families of the earth that vote like me, God help us. The families of the earth that share my skin tone. What that says, and in your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are all of the families of the earth that live within earshot of you, within arm's reach of you, are they blessed because you carry in your bones and you carry in your heart and you carry in your mouth the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? If not, I have great news for you. Your best days in faith are ahead of you. Now, as you might ex expect, the establishment is not happy with this, especially since Peter seems to be drawing a crowd every time he preaches. People get all into this resurrection message, and according to this, lots of, thousands of people start to gather. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, this is chapter four, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, who, by the way, did not believe in the resurrection. Sadducees came to them, much annoyed, says Scripture, <laughs> much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000 people. Wow. Where's our 5,000 people, y'all? I continue to believe that there are people who are absolutely, and I know some of you, who are absolutely faithfully <laughs> discharging the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I have seen it with my own eyes. I know that you are doing it. And I also know that there are other people out there who have made the gospel, the good news, into something else that isn't good news for all the families of the earth. I would submit to us that the resurrection would still be good news and received as such by thousands of people if there could continually be embodied evidence to the reality of the resurrection. Where is it? Again, I would submit to you that the establishment, first of all, the Sadducees did not even believe in the resurrection. They did not like this message. The Pharisees did believe in it. They weren't sure they wanted to hitch their wagon, though, to this Jesus character. They wanted somebody who was a little stronger, a little bigger, buffer, perhaps. But there was this establishment that was sort of anchored in and reliant upon the status quo. I mean, for heaven's sake, if Rome sees another gathering of thousands of people, perhaps Rome comes in and just wipes us all out, and as a matter of fact, they had reason to believe that because that would happen. So they were trying to suppress this message of newness, hope, health, and freedom for fear of what it would cost the establishment. 
here's my question, and I'll just kind of let it hang in the air, but I may return to it a couple times before the end of the sermon. Are we in danger of building a new establishment that might actually be threatened by the reality of the resurrection? So now it's the next day. They're going to deal with Peter and John. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, all who were of the high priestly family. This was the leadership of the establishment. And when they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, who do you think you are and who gives you the right? By what power, by what name do you do this? Simon Peter senses it again. I love this guy called a preach. Senses another time to tell the story, to preach the good word. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, why are we here today? If we are questioned today because somebody got healed, because of a good deed done to someone who was sick, and are asked how this man has been healed, again, lots of context here that tells us how to translate this word coming up, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man standing before you now in good health, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Because healing is what you get when the resurrection message and mission is unleashed. Then Simon Peter goes on to say, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. This Jesus now is the cornerstone of something completely other and different from what we have seen and what we are seeing now in the establishment. Goes on to say, there is salvation. Now do you see it? Healing. Now do you see it? There is healing in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given amongst mortals by which we must be healed, rescued, saved is fine as long as you recognize that it's not just a soul. It's a life. It's a life. There's a guy who writes, he's written some books that I really like. Um, <laughs> he wrote one book on Revelation entitled, and I'm not kidding, Left Behind and Loving It. It's a really good book. His name is W. Mark Davis, and he writes this about this particular passage. He says, the name of Jesus is neither a magical incantation nor a slogan for intolerance regarding other religious paths. It is the way. The way is the way of humility and self-giving. It is the way of eschewing coercive power. It is the way of laying down one's life for others, of taking up the cross, of being a follower of Jesus. It is either awful irony or utter blasphemy to take this verse, extolling the healing power of the name of Jesus, and use it as a bludgeoning weapon of Christian dominion. Goes on to say this, the saddest part of the misuse of Acts 4.12 is that it has spoiled a lovely verse. <laughs> People of goodwill often recoil from this verse entirely. But if we hear it rightly, it is a way of saying that when Jesus, the rejected stone, was resurrected to become the chief cornerstone, his path of rejection to restoration 
has promised to all who are broken and in need of being made whole, and by my calculations, that's all of us. And that's your enemy's opposites and irritants. All of us. Perhaps one of the more challenging words of faith is that word all. Is that word all. One evening this week, I met on the back porch of a young family from our church, and I reached out because I hadn't seen them in a long time. (laughs) I said, man, I miss you guys. I said, yeah, we need to talk. It's okay. So I scheduled some time, went over and sat on their nice back porch, and we talked. She works in healthcare. She's a healer, you would say. He works on nature and environment. You could kind of say that he was a healer too in some sense. And here's what they said. People very, they were very careful about the pandemic. Scientists, you would expect that. Very careful, and so they've been away for a long time. And think about all that they have seen play out on screens over that year. From an ugly campaign to unrest in the streets to this, that, and the other, inequity. And here's what they said to me. I said, Pastor, we love what OKC First does. And we love the people there. And we want to be invited to the baby showers and to the parties and all that kind of stuff. But With young children now, we have to make hard decisions about what we will align ourselves with. And we don't anymore want to be associated with the word Christian because of what it's come to mean in our culture. I said, unpack that for me. I said, help me understand very articulate, as they said. It seems to mean hate. It seems to mean division. It seems to mean a preoccupation with souls and not as much bodies. It seems to be that the people who are left out are the ones that are always left out. In other words, it seems to us like the church just mimics what's worst about the culture. It was not a whole lot of comfort to me when they said, now not OKC first, (laughs) but Christianity writ large. We're not sure we want to be associated with it. And then the line that kind of really got to me, and it just was ringing in my ears as I watched what I watched today. We have to think about our kids. Now, it's not you, it's not me. 
But I do think they are noticing something that we need to be very concerned about. You need to be very concerned about a faith that divides and marginalizes, that capitalizes on fear and makes it into hate. We have to be super diligent to swim up that stream. And all God's people said, and we have to recognize what's at stake. I want to let you inside the pastor's mind and to whatever extent this word fits here, the, the pastor's vision for a community of people who meet at 4400 Northwest Expressway. I, I want us to be busier and busier and busier being an outbreak of the resurrection. Pastor, oh my goodness, can we, can we really do all of these things? It's like a menu at Cheesecake Factory. It's just too big after a while. Yeah, but I'm not the one doing it all. You're supposed to be doing it too. The menu's not too big for all of us when we all get involved. And I'm telling you, you, me, we have to be involved in furthering the resurrection. And if we don't, the cost will not only be the people who then don't get helped and served and fed, let's say, it will also be our kids who finally look up and say, this isn't working. So I met this week, I, I never thought I would find myself in this situation, Robin, but I met this week with a group of people from the Oklahoma National Guard, and I met there with other people. We have representatives there from our unity clinic, from our, our legal clinic, from some other things, from other entities that are all coming together so that we can have, now hear this, we, we want to have on Fridays wraparound services for veterans so that we can at least take a stand and try to do something to reduce the rate of veteran suicide or attempted suicide. Here's what I want to do, Kelly. I want to have an early Head Start program here so that we can help kids in our neighborhood and in our church and give them a leg up, give them a leg up as it has to do with literacy because we all know this. If you are paying attention at all, you know this. If you can help a kid to learn to read early, man, you set that kid on a trajectory for success and you also help that kid to circumnavigate around other things that would be pitfalls. Because, y'all... In addition to the wraparound services for a veteran, in addition to uh, this early Head Start program, and our already functioning health clinic and the vaccination clinic and the food things we're already doing, it's because I want you to see evidence that the resurrection means that bodies can be healed, not just souls salvaged. Why do you feed a hungry person around here? Why do you serve in the ways that you do around here? Listen, hear me, hear me. We feed hungry people around here because they're hungry. <laughs> because it, it has nothing to do with our personal resumes because, and, and finish this out with me, okay? Because God's mind about us is made up and the news is, but there is a small part of me that says for my own kids and for your kids and for anyone paying attention, I want us to be able to see resurrection life at work everywhere. So show me a problem and I'll try to figure out a way that the people of God, the body of Christ, can employ resurrection resources to make a difference and a dent. And I don't care what political party you're from. I don't care how you perceive it. I want you to see and perceive the resurrection at work 
2021 in Oklahoma City, even in Oklahoma City. You know why? Because the news is that good. Until we take a verse like this one, meant for good, and we make it a weapon. The resurrection and resurrection resources are available to us even today, and this is what we do each and every week, Dr. Riegert, as you head this way. This is what we do every week when we gather around this table. You will need one of these to participate at this point, and if you don't already have one, I'm asking some of the folks, and some of them are already mobilizing. If you don't have one of these little uh, self-contained communion elements that someday we will not use, amen? but that does the trick right now. Please raise your hand if you don't yet have one of these. Jeremy's back over here. There we go, good, 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 good. Jason's over here. Doug, I think right outside the door, there's some others right there. Good, good, good. We will wait until everybody is served. Does everybody understand that on a weekly basis, we hold in our hands tangible representations of resurrection, life, and help, and healing, and hope right here. Because the story that we tell in this moment is not of someone who was killed and then stayed dead. Everybody know that, right? We hold in our hands each week the tangible evidence that love wins, and the news is good. And so with that good news in hand, you tackle literacy, you tackle suicide rates, you tackle hunger, you tackle loneliness and isolation, you tackle division. But man, you better eat well if you're gonna have the energy to do it. So Heavenly Father, bless these elements. And God, we recognize that it's little pieces of bread that don't taste that good. And little sips of juice. But God, in your hands, in your hands, they become something more, something bigger, something better, something more powerful. And so God, bless these elements and make them into whatever it is that can then resource us and grow us and build us into the kinds of people who can further the victory of the resurrection and this news that is so very good. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body now broken for you. And every time you eat of it, even today, Oklahoma City, 2021, remember me and be nourished and encouraged. Church, take and break and eat. The same way, after dinner, he would take the cup and hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, new covenant, and every time you drink of it, even today, 2021, in Oklahoma City, even today, remember me. And now, church, take and drink.
Heavenly Father, we confess that we do have it in us, sadly. We do have it in us to be people who prefer our own to the other. We do have it in us, God, to fear those not like us. We do have it in us to dislike and perhaps even hate our enemies and opposites and irritants. And yet, God, when we sit just long enough to think and allow you to whisper into our ears, we recognize that you have offered us a grace, offered us connection and hope and healing. And then we can recognize how it is that those resources for our own hope and help and healing can become resources placed back into your hands. so that other people around us, regardless of what their affliction might be, can be helped and healed. Now, as I get out of the way, I want you to pray that prayer of confession. If you, if you are living beneath your privilege as a person who has benefited from the resurrection, then pray that prayer. If you have used this verse like a weapon, perhaps just within the confines of your mind, then may we all pray that prayer of confession as well. church. May the Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep us in eternal boundless life. Jason.